1: Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast, World Cup Daily. Day 13 of World Cup 2018 is done. Brian Strauss and I will be talking about that as part of our podcast, coming to you daily from Russia through July 16th. Just a small request, it would be a huge help if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It helps people find us. In this episode, I'm also joined by fan-sided's Jake Valerius who has been writing about fan groups from different countries at the World Cup. Onward! All right, let's bring in Brian Strauss from the Luzhniki Stadium Media Center. I'm here in Red Square. Brian, wild night again for the second straight night at World Cup 2018. Argentina is through. What you, what's your sense of this whole thing?
2: Well, I mean, I covered the France-Denmark game, so um, <laughs> I'm, sort of, I'm sort of irrelevant today. I'm, uh, I'm one of maybe five or six people that's still here uh, in the vast... Media center in this vast stadium, and I think every single person is just kind of depressed uh, that we watched that snooze fest between France and Denmark. um, When obviously everything that happened afterward uh, was just dramatic, and again, you know, two two nights in a row now that we've had uh, complete mayhem in these uh, simultaneous group deciders, and um, and I covered a game that uh, if it was still going on now uh, would still be scoreless.
1: I mean, when you think about it, it's funny. Last night, there was so much madness, and in the end, the two favorites, Spain and Portugal, advanced. Tonight, there was so much madness, and in the end, the two favorites, Croatia and Argentina, advanced. But it's not just a thing for the the favorites to have advanced. I mean, Argentina feels like they've come through some sort of chaotic odyssey of just crushing... Psychosis. I'm trying to come up with other words here, but like it's been quite a journey.
2: Yeah, I think we all figuratively have uh, Javier Mascherano's blood on us um, <laughs> after after following this team uh, through the group. Um, I actually covered the, I covered their their first two games, um, so maybe I was the the bad luck charm. Uh, maybe Maradona was flicking me off there. Um, but uh, uh, what a goal by Messi! I mean, oh my God! Like, I mean, I was sitting here trying to write. Um, the France Denmark story that not a soul on this planet is gonna read I don't even think my mom gives a shit um and it was just hard to concentrate because you know out of one corner of your eye you're watching the games that are that are far more riveting and what that 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 those two touches by messi and then that shot um what a performance what a goal how clutch um and then it it turns out marco uh, Rojo has been wearing a, a uh shooting boots all this time. <laughs> who knew um yeah, it was awesome. And, uh, and again, just the juxtaposition of, of a game that, that I was at today where literally nothing was at stake and, you know, they were just like trying as hard as they could not to sweat um, to a game where, like I said, literally, you know, Mascherano was bleeding all over the place and everybody was going insane. And uh, have there been like 50,000 penalties at this World Cup? Like it's just bonkers and there have been so many late goals and, and uh, what a group. I mean, we knew that we knew, right? We knew this would be uh, probably the most um, – you know, tight and intense and interesting and compelling group. And, and it was,
1: yeah. I mean, I also want to give some credit on the first Messi goal to ever Banega. Uh, his ball was tremendous out of the, the midfield. And I thought Argentina's midfield overall was a lot better tonight. I wonder why Benega didn't start either of the first two games and you see him play the way he did tonight. But yeah, the, the touches by Messi, the first touch off his thigh, the second touch, uh, and, and then a right-footed blast, and that's a left-footed guy who had a pretty great right-footed shot for the early goal, and you saw him uh, seem to have a bit of a weight lifted from his shoulders, and you thought, at least I thought, well, Argentina's just going to score a few more goals and they're going to be fine. And then they decide to call this penalty early in the second half on Masterano for a wrestling move in the box, which I think by the letter of the law certainly would be viewed potentially as a penalty but it wasn't nearly as blatant as some of the wrestling moves we've seen in this tournament that haven't been called like the one on on Serbia's Mitrovic a couple days ago
2: maybe the weight lifted from Messi's shoulders when Ronaldo missed that penalty <laughs> maybe that was it maybe like he saw that and he stroked his beard and he pet his goat and then he came out and and led Argentina to the round of 16 And dude They're gonna play France Yeah Like has there Has there ever been Like a more I mean I'm sure there has been And, and people will point it out But like What a What a bonkers Star-studded Incredible um, And actually That whole quartet um, Uruguay and Portugal The winner of that Will play Argentina and France And I wonder if there Has been a more A more trophy-laden Quartet Quarter of a bracket In a In a World Cup I mean every, every Decorated teams Big stars and uh, only one of them will get will get to the semi. So that's just going to be awesome. And um, France and actually uh, uh, Didier Deschamps said that part of his uh, thinking today and resting so many players was knowing that he he likely was still going to win the group because France is so deep. I mean they could trot out their ball boys and tie Denmark. And um, so he figured he was going to win the group and knew that he had only three days of rest before the round of 16. So now he will have rested some guys heading into Saturday's game in Kazan against Argentina, where obviously Argentina. Bled all over the place. (laughs) They
1: didn't seem to have an issue with all the bleeding from Mascherano. They just let him play.
2: They Uh, let him bleed. It was amazing. (laughs) The guy's amazing. Well, didn't didn't he like didn't he like tear his anus or have some kind of horrible injury? Like, didn't something happen in 2014? No, that's
1: exactly what happened in 2014. Okay,
2: right. So the guy the guy literally gives everything, and and he's a hero.
1: Um, I mean, like, think about Rojo's goal. By the way, here is a central defender. Not up on a set piece or anything. He just happens to be in the box
2: late It right. falls to him, exactly. Yeah. You got Aguero, and Aguero sort of made the near post run, I think, right? In the credits it's like, oh man, you want it to go to him. Shit. And then it goes to the uh to the guy who's wearing uh Higuain's boot.
1: Though by the way, Higuain did miss another big opportunity. I was gonna say, right,
2: game. when he when he hooked that first timer over the bar, I'm like, You gotta be kidding this dude. <laughs> You've got to be kidding. He is walking home Oh, Um and uh he was he was let off the hook. My god it was so dramatic this tournament's insane it's absolutely bonkers
1: it is um and i'm no longer going to go 16 for 16 on my round of 16 predictions that's okay i'm perfectly fine with that if we're going to get games like the ones we saw tonight nights like the ones weeks ex- the one we experienced the last couple of nights um and argentina came pretty darn close to not making it uh and i felt badly for the nigeria guys because i thought after their opening game loss to Croatia, I thought Nigeria played played good soccer, and and they got back into the game tonight. They're a young team. Uh, this was a very even group, uh, and I love the even groups. Um, and give Croatia credit too; they made seven changes tonight, and still won and got nine points out of a tough group.
2: Um, I had I'm looking at my bracket now. I had seven of the eight teams in placements so far. I had, I had Egypt advancing instead of Russia, um, and obviously I'll, I'll have Poland wrong. I had them getting out of their group. Um, yeah, but I'm doing, a, I'm doing okay as well because that's really what matters is our predictions.
1: It is all that matters. Um, right. You know, also I would say looking at the afternoon games, uh, I'm sorry you had to deal with France-Denmark and waste two hours of your life. Uh, I'm
2: still trying to get over the fact that I covered the Argentina-Holland semifinal in Brazil instead of the 7-1. Like, I'm still <laughs> trying to come to terms with that, that cosmic coin flip. Um, no, I mean, it was, look, it, it was, it was France-Denmark at the Luzhniki in a World Cup. I mean, it was, it, you, you came in with, with there were still some big game, uh, some big game feel to this, um, you know, and, and it was fun to sort of see... Just to kind of behold France's depth and kind of realize um, what what they bring to the table. Um, Christian Eriksen actually uh, had a couple chances, um, but France was always in control of the game. And and, and you have to feel like if they had to, you know, put it even into second or third gear, um, that they could have. Um, you know, this is a team that's good enough to win the World Cup. But as as Deschamps and the, and the Danish coach as well, after the game, whose name I'm not even going to begin. It has an A with a circle over it. That's all I'm going to say. It's fun to type. Like, it was really cool to be able to write, like, type that, but I'm not going to begin to say it. Um, you know, they were both saying that, that look, none, none of the favorites in this tournament have really impressed. We talked about that last night. So, you know, France is 2-0-1. Um, they've conceded only one goal. They've gotten some guys some minutes. They've started to build a little chemistry. I, I think they think they're in good shape. It's just that now they've just got a, a murderer's row of teams just to get to the semifinal um you know having to play Argentina and then the winner of Uruguay Portugal so it's certainly not going to be an easy road for them
1: I think also too you and I have both covered several world cups now it's important to remind folks that for the teams that advance to the knockout rounds we are not going to in the end remember their world cup for how they performed in the group stage we're going to remember their yep, world cup true. for how they do in the knockout rounds that's what's going to matter and so for everyone right now who's saying France hasn't shown me much, that's actually not worth a heck, a heck of a lot. It, it's not worth much to say that about Argentina, to be honest, because
2: we're starting from square one. Yeah, or, or Spain. I mean, of, of, the, of the eight teams that are through so far, Croatia's the best team. I mean, if you were yeah. to do a power ranking, right, of the eight teams that have booked, well, other teams have, have clinched, but of the eight teams who are in the bracket now, um, you know, Croatia, oh, man, Avi's going to make me do a round of 16 power ranking, isn't he? I, just, I just sign my own... I just signed my own rest day power ranking death warrant that <laughs> comment. Um I'm happy to do it. Also a shout out, a shout out if it's okay to David, the really nice English uh uh media center volunteer here at the who is listening to our podcast um and it was very nice to me tonight cuz I had a couple problems. So shout out to David.
1: Awesome. So yeah. Let's hope we get some more nights like this. Uh, we're two for two so far on uh, simultaneous group finale nights. Uh, we've got two more to go.
2: I got a, I got Brazil Serbia tomorrow. Okay, I think we got I'll some there, possibilities there. there.
1: That yeah. could be an interesting
2: one. That is that game is at Spartak. Oh, um, Every night,
1: goodness. every night that guy goes by. <laughs>
2: every he knows when we record. Um, <laughs> So, I, yeah, I will be at Brazil-Serbia tomorrow at Spartak. Um, uh, uh, Brazil on four points, Serbia on three. Um, Switzerland on four points as well. Uh, they'll be playing Costa Rica back in uh, my second hometown of Nizhny Nogorod. Um, so so lots could still happen in that group as well. Um, you know, Brazil is, is certainly favored, um, but, you know, a weird bounce, a penalty that's a handball that's not a handball, um, bleeding, I think it
1: well, last night we saw Portugal really on the brink of elimination. Uh, tonight we saw Argentina on the brink of elimination. Folks, Brazil could be on the brink of elimination potentially tomorrow night.
2: Yep. Yep. It's, uh, you know, and I, like I said, as Deschamps said, I mean, he, he's not, you know, he, his, his team's sort of relatively slow start. Um, he looks around the World Cup and he's, you know, he said Germany's by, through, but, you know, Germany's alive by the skin of their teeth, you know, he said, and that's Germany so um, you know it's just like you said it's going to take some time teams have didn't Italy win the World Cup after tying all three group games one time is that an 82 I feel like that's happened before um, so you're exactly right no one's going to remember uh, the group stage um, and, it's, and teams are just going to have to build and, and get better throughout the tournament
1: yep well let's get together as tomorrow as opposed night. to us as opposed to us
2: who are falling apart throughout the tournament
1: <laughs> speak for yourself man
2: <laughs> I'm round <rally>. fair enough <laughs> okay alright man you're the man
1: but uh, always good to talk to you let's do it again tomorrow
2: all right, I'm going to go home now.
1: Big thanks to Brian Strauss. Next up is my interview with Jake Valerius Let's bring in our interview guest for today. He's Jake Valerius and he's with Fan Sighted. And he has been traveling around uh, here, going to stadiums, and uh, interviewing fans mostly. Jake, thanks for joining me.
0: Yeah, good to be here.
1: Um, I have questions, uh, and you have answers, I think. Uh, my first one is... One thing I've noticed, it seems like a pattern at this World Cup, is that fans from Latin American countries seem to be quite a bit more prevalent than fans from European countries. And I've seen plenty of examples of this by now, and I'm wondering why.
0: Yeah, well, two, two explanations. I've, I've noticed exactly the same thing from my flight here, which was full of Peruvians, to my first night, which Argentinians, Peruvians, Mexicans, all over the place. Uh, the first is... Part of it, I think, is most of the games here in Moscow. There haven't been that many European teams playing here. Portugal and Germany were here, and France and Denmark play tomorrow. But uh, So I think that maybe had slightly something to do with it. But, you know, I suspect a large part of it has to do with sort of political issues going on um, between the Russia and a lot of Western Europe and the United States. Um, there's certainly just from my experience before I left for the U.S., when you tell people you're going to Russia, you know, they they look at you funny, like, are, are you sure? Is that safe? you going to be okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And And that isn't, you know, this is based on, you know, coverage of a country's government, which is, of course, not related necessarily entirely to the people, the right. city, the culture, and all this other stuff. But, you know, there just sort of seems to be this general air of caution Around those countries with Russia, and so from from speaking to to these fans of South America, I haven't got the sense that that really applies there. And I, you know, there are big picture political reasons for that. Maybe you know, there's other sort of press stuff too. But you know, the first Mexican fan I spoke to, for example, I, you know, I said, "Hey, you, you think you could beat Germany?" He sort of laughed it off. No chance. But, you know, just excited to explore the country, excited yeah. to explore Russia. Um I spoke to even to some Australian fans, obviously this is hmm. in South America, but they said I sort of brought this up as I was like, yeah, the uh the the political coverage in the US, I wonder if this is sort of, you know, is Russia what you expect it to be, stuff like that. And um and and yeah, they were like, nah, no, not really. I mean, it's been it's been a good time. We've really enjoyed it. It's very open, very friendly. Um and I wonder that being the case, whether there isn't, you know, some sort of regrets about maybe not having been here from some of the European teams. Um, yeah. But it, it's a close trip, right? It's easier for Europeans to get here than it is for uh, for South Americans as farther away. So um, I, I, I do think that that has been sort of part of the mood. And certainly just watching the coverage in, in the Western press, particularly in the UK and the U.S., um, One of the things you constantly see written about is Russia is a friendly place and people are having a good time as if this is sort of a big shock, which, you know, there are concerns, of course, with the history, with racism and hooliganism in this country. Those are real issues and they do exist. Um, And it is hard to say how much of this is just them putting on their best face for the tournament and how much is, you know, just, you know, this is actually what Russia is really like on the ground and the worst stories you hear are just the worst examples of that. And you shouldn't, you know, hold a country to the standard of, you know, the worst examples of their behavior. So, you know, it's, it's I do sense that that's in the tone. But for me, for someone who has traveled around Western Europe a lot and lives in the U.S., uh, it's great. Because I, you know, it's much more exciting and interesting to me to be able to speak to these South American fans and so on and so forth. Um, Yeah.
1: It's just incredible for me, though, that, like, inside the stadium at Mexico, Germany, there were far, far more Mexicans than Germans. And we are literally, what, a two and a half, three hour flight from Germany here in Moscow.
0: Yeah. I was, I was kind of disappointed with Germany fans. It was. Going into the stadium I thought it was going to be even more Mexico dominated than it was. There was mm. one side of the stadium that had a good contingent of Germany Germany fans. They all had their flags, they were waving. It looked really cool. And then I don't know maybe it was just the performance of the team kind of <laughs> sucked the energy away then. them, but Germany have a really good sort of reputation as having these great fans in the Bundesliga and right. you know we see that on a weekly basis during the club season. Um and I just didn't it didn't really ignite and you know to be charitable to them the team did not give them much to cheer about um but the mexican fans were were absolutely phenomenal and and like i I was saying before um there was the really cool thing about this game is that all of the mexicans fans i i spoke to there was no expectation of victory yeah they thought yeah we, we can contend for second place in this group but We're going to lose to Germany. Of course, we're going to lose to Germany. And Germany, you know, the stereotype of the German is this efficient winning machine. They do not make the mistakes that a team like France have in the past while defending their World Cup or Italy or or even Spain last time. Um, And it just completely fell apart. Uh, And there was this moment of sort of realization somewhere Mm. midway through the first half of that game where the Mexico fans... We're like, hang on, we could actually win this game. And the mood in the stadium completely shifted. Um, And then the second half, they were sort of clinging on for dear life. But it was really, it was a great atmosphere to be a part of. The best game atmosphere-wise I've been to, and
1: all down to the Mexican fans. Interesting. There is one group sort of of European fans that you think has come here in in numbers?
0: Yeah, I I would say the Scandinavians, particularly... Icelandic fans the the Iceland Argentina game was a really interesting dynamic because on the one hand you have Argentina which is fan base which to me is so sort of worn down with expectation and worry and it's it's really sad because you know they have in Lionel Messi you know the greatest player of his generation is such a joyful exciting wonderful player to watch and he just looks miserable and they feel miserable about it because the expectation is so extreme and you know i've you know i've heard people talk about it but being in a stadium the tone sort of the noise the atmosphere the way it shifts when he gets on the ball is like this is absurd you know not only is everybody hoping he'll do something but They're expecting he'll do something. And even the neutrals, it's sort of like, this is probably my last chance to see Messi in a World Cup. If he doesn't beat four players and bang it into the top corner, you know, trip wasted right, <laughs> right? you oh, know i man. missed my opportunity to see Messi, and so it's this really weird sort of gloomy atmosphere and then on the other hand you got the iceland fans who are the total opposite end of the spectrum first world cup right smallest nation ever to make it into the world cup there was a really interesting moment though early in the game before i think it was still nil nil at this point where the icelandic fans did their clap for the first t- time mm-hmm. and they started building and they started building and the argentinian fans who it was at least 70, 30 in their favor in terms of numbers in the stadium. They completely drowned it out. Huh. They started screaming, whistling, and they were loud. They were the loudest huh. fans I've seen. Um, and it wasn't as sort of joyful and as exuberant as the Mexican fans, but in terms of sheer volume, right. I think they are probably the most impressive. and they just complete, you could not hear the Iceland fans at all. They completely huh. shut them down. And then the game wore on and it all, it all went horribly wrong and changed. But that, that, was a, that was a funny moment.
1: It's interesting to see that a fan base can reflect not just joyous mood, but but also angst-ridden mood yeah, with yeah. Argentina. Maybe it's not a coincidence that Argentina has more psychoanalysts per capita in the world <laughs> than any other country. Um, but that's, that's fascinating. Um, are there other Latin American countries that have really stood out to you in this tournament? The, the, tournament big, the
0: big one would be Peru, uh, particularly because yeah. Peru don't play in Moscow. And my my flight here, I had a transfer in, in Warsaw, and it was probably 50% Peruvians oh, on wow. that flight. Yeah, I spoke to one guy who is from Florida, actually, and his his family is, is from Peru. And he was telling me, yeah, 36 years is a big deal. And this is not, you know, there are some countries... Panama for example haven't ever been in a World Cup which doesn't have exactly a rich tradition in the sport which is you know a real big contrast with Peru um, and so there has just been this overwhelming support and unfortunately they they've played really well I think so far haven't been able to score I'm hoping um in their last game they'll'll they'll, <laughs> they'll finally get right. a goal for their fans we saw yesterday with the Panama fans how you know meaningful that moment can be to get the first goal and i think they have a lot to be proud of in this world cup so far they've played really well they were very Mm. unfortunate against denmark and maybe deserved a little more against france so um but yeah the peruvians have been great they've been huge numbers in moscow the big niskolskaya street which is where all the fans sort of gather first night i was here them and the argentinians were you know They post up in, like, you know, a group of a couple hundred people, Mm -hmm. get all their flags going, singing their songs. So Peruvians have been really, really fun.
1: Cool. Um, What about fan bases from African countries and Asian countries? Have any stood out to you?
0: Asia hasn't been so much. Um, Saudi Arabia were fun. Um, I think of them... As more Middle Eastern, so a, they are in the Asian Confederation. Right. Um, they were fun in the first game. It was nice. What you notice at these games is the, the smaller fan bases, either because of the team or because of the distance. There's sort of this like weird kind of hierarchy develops <laughs> where the rarer you are, the more people want to take pictures yeah. with you. I was walking around outside the stadium with these group of Saudi Arabian guys, and um, they're stopped every five meters for pictures. Okay. Um, and, and so, so that so that was fun. But to me, my my favorite and possibly my favorite game in terms of the atmosphere I've been to so far was Portugal-Senegal. Um, Poland-Senegal? Poland-Senegal, yeah, yeah sorry. Um, because on the one hand, Poland fans dominated. It was the closest okay. atmosphere I've been to to a home game of any of the games I've been to. Mm. Warsaw is a two-hour flight mm. and unsurprisingly, you know, the Poland fans showed up Um, And then in contrast, the Senegal fans had these, I'm sure as everybody saw on TV, there were three separate pockets in the stadium. There was one kind of smaller one opposite the benches, more understated, completely submerged in Poland fans. And then the bigger one in the opposite corner with those guys shirtless with the painted Senegal on front of their chest, you know, right. dancing for the, for the entire game. But my favorite bit of the entire game was Senegal's first goal. And th- this is a big moment for them, too. They haven't been in the World Cup since 2002. I right. think that's their only ever other performance. Um, and they have a very strong team as well, and they're in kind of this weak group, so there's quite a lot of expectation. Um, when that first goal went in, which was an ugly deflected goal, ended up being an own goal over to my right in the press section almost two full rows of senegal press in bright blue outfits just sort of stood up started cheering and got super excited about it and if you've never been in a press section they are quite generally serious environments not always the most celebratory atmosphere it's generally frowned upon to celebrate um but what you notice at a tournament like this where you know, some of these countries are small enough and this is, you know, a big enough tournament that, you know, any sort of airs about media neutrality kind of go out the window. And it w- it was really fun to see that just they didn't care. You know, this is a goal for their country, a huge goal for their country. Um, and they loved it. They loved every minute of it. So it, it was really fun to see that sort of atmosphere. And the Poland fans, to their credit, um, were very, very classy, despite being in the majority. They clapped the uh, senegal anthem oh. all the way through which i thought was a nice touch um and outside the stadium again it was this sort of the rare fans are super excited polo fans sort of running around finding anyone from senegal to get a picture huh. with them i saw a group of australians sort of come in chanting sadio mane's name getting a picture with the uh, senegal fans and it really is sort of that sort of atmosphere everyone is just almost giddy with excitement like we're at the world cup you know we want to We want to live every minute of it, get every picture we can with people from around the world. And um, that was a nice example of one of those classic World Cup culture clash games for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I try and tell people that, you know, when you come to a World Cup, I know it costs quite a bit of money. Uh, It's obviously better if your team is involved. Um, And yet it's a, a wonderful feeling like, I don't know, like the whole world is basically focused on one thing for a short period of time. And you have these interactions with people from other countries who, you, maybe other countries you don't think about very often, but invariably they're positive. Uh, yeah. I mean, we haven't seen any any incidents at all. I remember in year 2016, there was some fan violence toward the start involving Russian fans, England fans, but we haven't seen really any skirmishes at all, have we?
0: Yeah, not as far as I can tell. I know there was a big crackdown by the Russian government sort of before this tournament. Basically, the sense is, all right, save it till, <laughs> save it till it's over. On the Russian, who? Uh, uh, likes. yeah, yeah, from yeah. from the Russian stuff. But yeah, it, it has really been, and which is which is nice too, because I think, I guess, in recent history, uh, England fans have sort of been painted with the most negative brush. They've been sort of involved in in the worst elements of this stuff um particularly at Euro sixteen to twenty sixteen as you mentioned. But d I, I I it's been nice for me to see all these South American fans, sometimes sort of fierce rivals. Um and South America is an area where, you know, fan the fan environment can get violently intense. Um right. and it just has really, really been super celebratory. And something that I've noticed too is generally at, in domestic leagues, soccer is followed The primary audience is generally young men, sort of men in their 20s and 30s. And here it has been a way more diverse age range, gender range, than I'm used to seeing at soccer games because there is the element of sort of we're traveling, we're having a good time. This is, you know, this is about not really soccer so much as, you know, the national pride in general. And so that has Mm -hmm. added to this just sort of the sense of you know, everyone's here to have a good time. And the other aspect of it is, it like you mentioned, it's not just fans from the countries involved. The other day I met some guys from Bangladesh huh. carrying around a big flag that said... We're from Bangladesh but we're fans of Brazil football. Yeah, and I was, w- why? That's awesome. And um yeah the guy who started he he put his hand on his head and he said Ronaldo which is of course the symbol for Ronaldo's terrible haircut the uh, yeah. 2002 World Cup. Awesome. Um and they're having a great time. I asked him, "You think uh you think Bangladesh are going to make the World Cup anytime soon?" And he said and his English wasn't great. He said, not today, maybe tomorrow, <laughs> which I, I enjoyed that. And it is like there's people from everywhere and everyone's having a good time.
1: Well, also, too, I saw the Panamanians, you know, they got destroyed by England 6-1. to one. But the one goal that Panama scored may have caused one of the bigger fan celebrations that we've seen this entire yeah. tournament.
0: Yeah, that, that was great. I haven't, I haven't seen that many Panama fans. They don't play in Moscow. I've seen one or two Costa Rica fans, but no, no Panama Panama fans, really. Um, and yeah, one, one of the topics of discussion in this World Cup has been some grumbling about the 48-team World Cup because right. of this dilution of quality. And, you know, I've made plenty of jokes about this, so I'm, I'm not going to pretend I'm a saint here. But being on the ground and seeing what a goal like that means to the fans of a country like Panama you know, who cares if there's 48 teams? Because the people are going to show up. They're going to have a great time. And by the time we get to the last 16 quarterfinals, the good teams are going to be left. You know, does it really matter if, you know, Kazakhstan get to play and their fans get to experience that moment? Not really. I mean, if, if you're that much of a sort of stickler for ensuring the best teams play, just, just go watch the Champions League and, and leave it out. <laughs>
1: Well, Jake Valerius, I really appreciate you joining the podcast today and hope you have a great rest of the tournament. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football World Cup Daily Podcast. I'd like to thank Brian Strauss and Jake Valerius, as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help the cause if you do, and we'll see you tomorrow.